I am here with Sursu, who is the co-founder of Blackhand and a bunch of other things in the space. It's also your second time on the pod. You're one of the first guests. So I'm very excited to have you back on the show. Thank you for having me back. I'm so glad to be here and uh, happy to talk about all sorts of cool stuff. Yes, you've been up to a lot of things with Blackhand, which I'm very excited to jam on. I feel like of the DAOs that have died and struggled over the last couple of years, Blackhand is sort of a shining star. Um, so I'm very excited to get into the seemingly overnight success, but really like long journey that you've been on with Blackhand and all the amazing things that you've been doing. Um, and I know community ownership is also part of that. So we'll talk about all about that stuff. But before we do that, maybe you can give a little bit of context on you and how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole. Got it. So if you didn't listen to, uh, I think, episode 10, <laughs> um, to, to, to give folks a, a nice little primer, um, my background's in design and anthropology. Uh, I spent a lot of time in the sort of, I guess, B2B and consumer design space, uh, designing mainly digital products. I've done a little bit of physical stuff, but most of it was UX and UI work. Um, I spent a lot of time doing um, researching communities, culture, um, identity systems and frameworks to figure out like how people solve and creatively like handle their own issues. Um, I think the practice or the denominational practice I'm a part of is called service design. <clears throat> and that's essentially the idea of um, co-creation, um, not taking facilitating the process of, of problem solving, not being the person that's sort of like engineering the, 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 the issues themselves, the problems themselves or solutions. Um, you want to try to make sure that like folks that already know what they're doing are just empowered and have a new layer of insight and organizing um, sort of like all the, uh, all the issues or problems that sort of arise. So I like doing that kind of work. Safe to say, I never actually really did it to the certain to the same degree that I did in crypto. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, Layton um, or Late Effects, brought me into this space. He told me about minting NFTs on Rarible. I got the bug from there. Started basically using Clubhouse as a conduit to tell to show other people how to do it. Um, onboarded some cool folks into the space as well, and then gas fees went insanely high. No one really could sustain that. Um, even a person at the time when I was working full time, I had a I had disposable income, and that, and that was very difficult for me to pay like two hundred fifty bucks to mint an NFT. Um, so uh, through the grace of serendipity, um, me and a few friends, Carlos from uh, from Forefront, Jacob from C, uh, Jacob from Zora, Jess from C Club. Uh, Samantha, I think the foundation at the time, and then Mikhail from Zora at the time as well. Uh, we got together and created the Mint Fund. Uh, we helped artists mint NFTs for free. We just basically just gave them gas fee money. Um, and that sort of changed the perspective of how I looked at the entire space and thought that, hey, you know what? Maybe there's more to this than just kind of like mint things, make money. Maybe there's an opportunity here in which like, we can we can change the perspective of folks and um, leverage, I guess, this sort of like transparent machine um, in the process. Uh, so that led to a bunch of other different experiments, um, like crypto cookout, organizing a, a party of 458 or so people to buy two crypto punks. Um, that was nuts. Uh, <laughs> and then at the same time, um, I had a Twitch streaming group with a couple of my good homies since 2020, like the start of the pandemic. Um, we wanted to find a way to bring that into crypto. We wrote an essay called Creating a Decentralized Gaming Community in July of 2021. August, we dropped a crowdfund on Mirror, raised a million bucks in 24 hours, and then got to work um, starting Blackhand. We bankrolled about like six different competitive teams. One of them won a world tournament last year. Shout out to Pokemon Unite. Um, we've won multiple um, other rewards, such as other games that we were playing in as well. And then recently, uh, we had an Apex Legends team, and they placed third in the world, and that is an incredible feeling. Um, honestly, I'm, yeah, what the fuck? I, it's just kind of nuts. Like, <laughs> it's crazy that that shit happened. Yes. Um, I feel like recently, you know, Blacken has been building in – excitement and success and it feels like recently things are are really kind of exploding i think you also had a PUBG uh team that that placed yes. 
as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So we um, have a PUBG mobile team. So there's like two versions of the game. There's like a regular version and then there's like the, the version you play on your phone. Um, we have uh, talent from Nigeria, Morocco, Moldova, and uh, two other countries, I believe. So it's like a mix of um, Europe and Africa. And uh, we're currently playing in the fall season of the uh, African League. Um, we are pretty much in the top spots so that we can qualify for African regional. And then we need to place top four. And if we do, then we may find ourselves at another global championship appearance later this year in Turkey. So super excited about that as well. Yeah, I feel like this has all been really exciting. And, and one of the interesting things I think with watching Black Hand, and I want to get into like the community ownership piece, and it seems like proposals actually have made a really big difference in terms of Black Hand's operations. And I want to talk about how all that stuff works. But at a high level, it's kind of interesting to watch sort of two sides of like esports and gaming going on in, in the crypto space. One of them is of sort like very much like on-chain games and what that looks like and whatever. And then you have this other side, which is much more on the esports side um, around like what does it look like to collectively own a team and what does it look like for community involvement to be um, to be something that's sort of like core to the project itself. Um, and so I'm curious how you think about the the sort of way that this is evolving. Like, do you think that those things are going to ultimately intersect at some point? Do you see, you know, on-chain games being something that, that people play in these types of championships? Do you think they're sort of two totally, totally different realms? That's a very good question. Um, for me, my goal is to sort of blend the two things together. Um, so... Like for us, we built a tournament platform called Stadium specifically to facilitate like competitiveness within games, on-chain games um, that are sort of existing or like games that leverage blockchain tech to a certain degree. Cause like not all of them are completely, and it's weird. Like there's a, in the, in certain gaming circles, depending on who you're talking to, when you say like on-chain games, for certain people, they really mean like the entire game, the whole instance of the game and everything is completely on-chain versus like, you look at uh, a game like Parallel or something, colloquially people may say that that's like an on-chain um, game. But um, for those that are very technical, they'll just say, well, they leverage the power of NFTs and they have a token eco um, economy and things of that nature. So all of it allows composable assets on top of a game that's not necessarily completely on-chain. On, on but you know, for me, I'm not necessarily too, too like worried about the semantic aspect of it. But I definitely think like for us... Um, the opportunities that can exist from the newer state of gaming is a lot better for us. Cause when we think about esports in general, it is a, it's one of the fastest growing like entertainment industries period, but it's a loss leader. Like it makes no fucking money. There's just no, there's hard, there's hard. Um, there's a lot of hard edges in monetization. Like when you think about like um, how leagues and tournaments um, are organized how uh, game publishers normally have kind of like the, they say what gets, what deserves money, what doesn't, what kind of revenue opportunities are there. And then certain, and there are only a, a select few like esport leagues and titles or gaming titles that actually enable you to make sustainable income like Dota, like CSGO, for example, where um, you can sell stickers. So if you are a high, if you're a very popular team, or you place very well within their competitive circuit, you have access to this other type of revenue that people can purchase in-game assets in the form of stickers. And that ends up being like high six figures, low seven figures, or even like high seven figures, maybe even eight figures for certain teams um, and income that you can count on a year, right? But like when you think of the rest of the games that exist, that doesn't happen, right? You don't get team skins, you don't get stickers, you don't get that type of in-game monetization. And if you do, then the 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 split or the payout is is not um, in the team's best interest or the organization's best interest. So you have to find other like other ways to make money via merchandise, via uh, content creation, for example, via sponsorship. But when sponsors have been looking at this and saying, "Look, we've been funding shit for ten plus years, and we have not seen sizable return," like I'm pulling my money back. Um, investors say the same thing, and so for us because of the fact that we're in Web3, it gives us this opportunity to say like the mirror crowdfund. Blackhand wouldn't exist without it. Um, I don't think I would have been able to go to an investor or a sponsor and say, hey, I want to build a team, a community-owned team. And um, they would say, yeah, that sounds good. But because this, this environment exists, it enables us to sort of do that. 
Yeah. So it sounds like basically, and I didn't know this about esports. I don't really know that much about esports. So it sounds like the the interesting challenge with building any sort of esports team is basically that like monetization is actually very challenging in the sense that there aren't really very many um, built in or very clear ways to make money outside of if you're an incredibly large team, merch, maybe skins. So there are like games that will basically support like skins for really, really popular teams. Is that it? Or is it like modding Correct. on top of? Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if you look at like um, CSGO or League of Legends is a really good one. Um, so what they what they would do is for teams that won the global championship and teams that had certain like popularity, then they would basically put like um, a, a team inspired and sort of like logo and everything on the player, the characters that they used in the game to win the world championship, those characters would then get access to like that team skin in that case. And then those, those skin sales would make four or $5 million like each, for example. Right. And then a portion of that goes back to the team. That's like massive. It's like for, if, if you're already paying insane, like right now we've got, hyperinflated player salaries um, and no monetization. So if you are paying, if your burn rate is like sixty, seventy thousand $70,000 a month, for example, and for certain teams or organizations, it's four or $500,000 a month. If you look at a group like Sentinels, for example, um, and you don't make it all the way to the end and you don't get access to that team skin, you're operating at a massive loss. And at least like getting that skin gives you the opportunity to like recoup, to break even, or even to become profitable. And I think for the Web3 context, like we can start out the gate with best practices or better practices um, so that it creates a, a more viable opportunity to build competitive esports um, that can actually make money. Yeah, I'm curious what you imagine some of those best practices look like. Yeah, I mean, so two things for sure. I think like... For us, because we're pushing stuff so publicly, I think creating an opportunity in which we've aligned ourselves with several esports organizations to create like um, 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 open documentation, sort of things related to like uh, uh, how we will democratize like player agreements, gentlemen's agreements, or general persons agreements. Um, how we would. Uh, create the opportunity for like uh, easier access to legal representation, things of that nature. So taking some of those similar like leanings and putting it in the op in the operation space, is saying let's devise a coalition of folks that are thinking about how esports becomes a uh, sustainable, viable practice or business practice that people can actually like put up. So looking to us as one of those examples um, as a, as a DAO that I think has now starting to actually become profitable like in its first like ever like year or month even is just fucking unreal. Like we have been operating in the red for two, two and a half years. Like it's been, it's been, it's been crazy. Um, but yeah, I think like creating a coalition and then working with, and I think thankfully because of our legitimacy and building and competing competitively already, it's been much easier for me to go to prospects that have, really dope uh, games like parallel, like wildcard, for example, and talk to them and say, Hey, like we have intentions of building esports here. We have intentions of building the rails for this. And then in doing so, these are the opportunities that we know will create a profitable, a profitable outcome for not only you guys as, as a game developer, but as teams, as orgs, as league, um, league organizers, so on and so forth. Um, and so, so far that's been incredibly positive. Uh, we've started a lot of that like early inroad work already. And then there are several dozen, I think, fledgling org owners or like um, existing organization owners that run esports teams that already are part of Blackhand already. So there's a lot of like a lot of that work sort of sort of brewing. So we're super excited about that. Yeah, I think the the sort of standardization around some of these these agreements and setups feels important but i also am curious about when you talk about being profitable like where is that money coming from is it mostly at for blackhand in particular is it mostly winning these championships is it is the sponsorship stuff big like what does that look like and then also how is that being distributed because i'd imagine you talked about how 
you're distributing that among your team. And imagine when you have something that's collectively owned that might look a little bit different. And so I'm curious on the revenue side, what that looks like. And then on the distribution side, what that looks like. For sure. So, yeah. So right now, um, I would say some of our, our general agreements are always kind of displayed based upon like their, the proposals we put out. So for example, for this Apex Legends team, the split is 85-15. So 85% of the tournament earnings goes to the players, 15% we retain so that we have money that flows back into the treasury so that we can leverage that for new proposals, whether or not that means to you know, run it back and uh, support this team again through that proposal, or we can earmark those funds for other opportunities. Um, similarly, uh, I think like right now, some of the other rails that are starting to activate now, for example, like merchandise, we just started to, to really actually, we tried it last year. We had a very bad time working with a vendor that didn't work out for us. So that just killed a lot of momentum. But now with like this new win and kind of like setting up um, a, a newer vendor, uh, we're actually starting to record um, record sales, which is good. Um, we're starting to like see like a positive trend um, of demand. And then because we now have a, a massive fan base, especially in Asian countries, shout out to Indonesia, um, Hong Kong, for example, Japan, like there's a bunch of different places that have really started to sort of ramp up their support for us. Um, having the opportunity to localize our site and their languages, the opportunity to then kind of like provide worldwide shipping has definitely helped us um, in, in, um, in that regard as well. And so right now we're kind of working on a similar model where we're taking like 15 to 20% net, uh, net profit and pushing that back into treasury um, so that the, we have more wiggle room to do some really cool things. And right now, as far as like sponsors are concerned, those are things we're actively looking for. We don't have any. Um, we had a sponsorship uh, with Zora, uh last year um which definitely helped us a, a great deal um and then right now we're in the process of um working on new sponsorships um with newer entities and companies and thankfully because of how we've been moving in these spaces it's been a lot more amenable for us to even have crypto organization sponsorship because before it was sort of like a very broad stroke policy that they didn't want anything crypto related. So it was all, we were already in contention. Like, could we even compete because we're a crypto native org? Um, and, you know, they saw a lot of entities see like how, how like we, we, you know, hold ourselves to a higher standard and, you know, they say, okay, well, like if, if you guys can do that, then that makes sense. So I, I think now like we've been able, we're like close to unlocking a lot of cool things for us. So I'm super excited to see where that goes as well. Yeah. The, the whole, uh, historically when crypto companies sponsor large, anything large and sporting or maybe esports arena, things don't go well. So, uh, that's kind of funny. Um, but also, on that note around like seeing this community starting to bubble up, um, I'm curious, how do those people plug in? So like there's, of course, buying merch, there's doing that stuff. But you also have this element of um, community involvement in what I think you would probably call governance, although you seem to me more overtly calling them proposals, which is really interesting. And like maybe governance is a term we're just abandoning in general maybe that's for the better but like i'm curious how these people engage uh with black hand outside of you know buying merch and and supporting the team and watching these things yeah so i think by and large what i've actually really seen is that for the first like two years a lot of folks that supported us so threw money at this because they were like esports web3 no-brainer come back, like, let me know how this works later. Like, for example, when we got third place, there was a, a tweet, I see if I can find it, but there's a person that said something like, I've been, a, I've been a supporter since the crowdfund and was just lurking for the past two years. And like, now that I've seen this, like, this is insane, right? Like, I think what, I think what, what we had were a lot of folks that were just like, I want to see something like this exist. So I'm going to fund it but ne didn't necessarily really have that much of the impetus to try to like act like to, 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 to add momentum to moving it. It was, it was still largely kind of like a core team and like small contributor group. <clears throat> Let's say maybe like 12 of us out of the 400 or so co like holders between our NFTs, our 
uh, Acolyte, um, uh, Nounish, Dao, NFTs, and then like our token, for example. Like out of the entire group, about 12 to 15 of us were, were really kind of like taking the charge actively and pushing things and getting things going. And I think now that we've started to really like build that reputation, we've got a much wider audience and we've got like a much bigger like a set of eyes on us. I think a lot, I think it's starting to wake up more of the people that were just here just to fund a really dope or cool idea into saying, okay, I now want to do something with this. And so we're starting to, we started to see sort of like an uptick in um, people participating in our proposals, people asking for like, so like, give me the rundown of, on everything that's happened so far. And because we've been able to do like town halls and I've been doing like monthly threads on kind of like the recap of what we've been doing. It's been a pretty good way for us to just be like, yo, you could just read this on your own time and then just come back to us when you're ready. And then now like we're about to start like activating some other other opportunities. Uh, we've been pushing this idea of sort of culture at play. It's been kind of like our new, but I think like probably dominant tag that will probably run forever because I, I just think it, it makes sense atomically for who we are. Um, but that sort of campaign has been bridging the, the gap between sort of like the nounish DAO sp space, which has been very good for transparent governance. Cause I've always hated snapshot. I've fucking hated that thing. Um, and I've never really been a fan of like token weighted ownership. I just feel like it's, it, it, it doesn't swing in favor of people who may actually have really, really good ideas, but proposals um, are a lot more open and it doesn't matter the weight of someone per se that owns a particular NFT, like there's an opportunity where we can all vote on, on, on things. Um, and then all of the, the way that we craft proposals is that we spend a lot of time really getting them good so that they're in a voting state before they even kind of hit the floor so that we always have like this really nice baseline level of like how proposals are supposed to look and sound like um, when people are voting so that people get the best chance to vote on a thing that they give a shit about. Um, but yeah, so we're, we've been blending sort of like the, our old token, our crowdfund token and our nounish DAO model. And I think these are for people who are really interested in like equity related ownership of the DAO and obviously like participating in governance. But then I feel like there's this third area that we're starting to unlock now, which is just a pure fan club, right? Like taking the same insight of how we saw people just purely just give us bread because they were fans of us. Um, that needs to just start to dial to 11 at this point. Like we, I could tell you my social, my phone, I can't even use it because I get so many tweets now related to like what just happened. I, I, my phone, I had to delete the app off my phone just so that, cause my phone just stays hot. Um, so it's like, but there's this opportunity here where we could say, okay, look, like if you are a fan of us, purchase this NFT or buy this t-shirt or whatever, or like this $40 thing, whatever the fuck it is. Right. And this give, we are now able to take these types of funds and we don't have to leverage our Dow treasury, which deals with mainly operations and kind of running the Dow efficiently and paying for contributors. This could literally be a funding mechanism for IRL events and activations for getting the players to meet with um, the, the, the fans of our organization, so on and so forth, and creating a very fun social layer on top of this that isn't crowded by or dumbed or like bogged down by like the average like year, I mean, fucking week it takes to like push a proposal out, right? Like certain things need to move at a certain speed. And I feel like what happens in the DAO space is like everyone starts to like feel like they have to clock within the one framework that they use. And it's like, no, like we, we all use multiple tools a day to do things. Like if it took one pot to cook fucking everything, then like we wouldn't have all the other types of fucking things that we use in the kitchen. Right. So it's okay. I feel like we need to be more comfortable in leveraging like a lot of different pieces from this space and creating your own toolkit. Um, and so that's something that like, I'm, I'm really excited on like trying to like, um, make happen over the next rest of the year actually. Um, but yeah, for the most part right now, it's like just to answer your question long windedly, cause I tend to do that a lot. Um, they can, they can vote on proposals. Um, they can, obviously, I think what's been really cool is like, we've had folks just like contribute to making memes for us. 
Um, I, which your the memes are funny as hell, by the way. You, they're you crazy them good. The Black end account retweets them. I mean, and the, the interesting thing is that it, it sounds like basically what you're saying is like is something that feels like people in crypto have known for a while, but I, I think a lot of people have re- kind of refused to acknowledge the reality of, which is that for a lot of people, governance is boring as hell and they don't want to do it. If you're a fan of an esports team, odds are you don't want to be in charge of how the treasury is deployed or have even uh, have to think about it at all. Um, right. And so uh, this dynamic around having sort of a few different types of ways that people engage, some of them being really highly engaged, some of them being like the equivalent of equity owners, but for legal purposes, we won't call it that. And then the third type, which is more of this like fan club. And I guess <clears throat> a question for you would be, when you think about what it looks like to be in this like fan club type of of section or bucket, which feels like it's definitely what the majority of people engaging with any of these types of organizations will be just by like numbers, that feels like that makes the most sense. Um, I'm curious where you see the ownership line coming into play, if at all, because you definitely have the people who are highly engaged, make sense for them to be owners. You have the people who are like seeing themselves as like equity holders basically and are somewhat engaged makes sense for them to be owners of course it's kind of what you're saying there it feel like part of the promise of web3 is this third bucket being partial owners maybe more passively but certainly having some sense of ownership um but maybe that's wrong like i'm curious in practice if you think that these people will ever want to have any ownership um aspect going on there if it really is just sort of like i'll buy the merch i want to meet the players but i don't really want to be an owner in any of this stuff? I think like ownership has many faces, right? Like the ownership component to some might be like, I really want to like get the massive financial upside on this potentially if there is one. Another thing might be, I want to be an owner because I want to change the the trajectory of how this organization moves. And another ownership might just be, look, I want to sort of own how we engage with this organization and how we can sort of like push the boundary of where this organization can reach, right? Like, I think fan clubs are have their own form of, of ownership and sort of like this social activation, this social, this social layer, right? Like some of the largest, most like important, like uh, uh, movements have been started because of fan clubs. If you think about like the, the ascension of like K-pop groups and things of the nature, fan, the, the fan club is what runs that thing. Right. Um, and even though like, maybe in that context, the fan club may not get ownership in, in terms of like a, a, value redistribution or whatever the case is. And I think there are opportunities here in which that can be possible um, in our context. But I think ultimately the goal is really like, how do we get people to sort of like feel like to, to own the brand and feel empowered and charged enough to take it wherever they want to see it. Um, and I think that's been sort of like the, 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 the core issue I've seen with many DAOs and one of the challenges that we have for us as well. It's like, you know, what I don't want is I don't want Black Hand to stay, well, if Sersu says this one thing or if he does this thing, that's what we're all doing type of thing. I want it to be where anyone that is in that owns a token, that's part of the fan club, that's whatever, any aspect or element of Black Hand, I want them to feel empowered to say, look, like I play this really good game and I'm, I'm super cool at it. I'm dope at it. I built a black hand group within that. And then I'm circling back to the main org and saying, Hey, could you guys like retro sponsor us? Because we've been making a name for ourselves in this group, like shit like that for me, that is when we have reached like this type of ubiquity where people are like any, like, for example, when you see kids play games online, They'll add their they'll add like TTV to their name. They'll add FaZe to their name. They'll add this to their name. And no, they're not sponsored by FaZe, but it's like they rep the the FaZe tag, right? Like that's the type of 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 um like brand power that that FaZe, at least at the time and still does to a certain degree, like has on people where they feel empowered enough to just take ownership of that and use it. Um, so that they can be noticed. Um, and I feel like that's something that we could not only you leverage that in a really unique way, but then also say, yo, you're actually pretty ill. 
and I see what you're doing in this community. Let's let's put more weight behind this. Let's put more like, you know, momentum behind what you're doing. And then now what became something where it's like, oh shit, like I just fuck with Black Hand. Now I'm a part of it. And that that's just that's just for me, I think that's where um true ownership, I think for me, really hits that beat um as it relates to to to, to gamers. And I think that's something that we we should definitely champion. Yeah. I mean I think like to me this is one of the like I think I, I personally get frustrated with a lot of I'll call it consumer crypto plays because they put so much of like the crypto stuff up front when really we should be putting exactly we should be taking the approach, which is exactly what you're talking about, which is like, let's ignore all of the stuff that supports us. Let's ignore the DAO part. Let's ignore the token part. The goal is to have people who fuck with your brand so heavily that they put it in their username and they, you know, which like to some degree you saw this in in a totally different way that you probably don't want, but in the bull market, which was like, you know, three, three in your Twitter name, like maybe yeah. not that, but like, but, but similar in the context of saying, okay, this is truly part of who I am. And so in, in, in that conversation, I'm curious, you know, you mentioned like the whole thing around whether or not you were allowed to even be participating in these things as a crypto native team, having crypto native sponsors, all that stuff more broadly, I'm curious how much you've made the crypto part uh, like prominent in building the brand and even like building your presence within esports. Because I'd imagine to some degree, like that is a differentiating factor. So it's interesting. At the same time, you don't want that to be front and center. And so I'm curious how you've approached that, you know, the existence of crypto and what you're doing and, and the fact that it is important, but also in saying like, that's not the primary thing that you're doing. Right. That's a great question. I know when it comes to the brass tacks for players and for teams and for other things, when we participate in events, we don't shy away from it. I, we tell them straight up, look, we've been funded by crypto. We're a crypto native organization. We're community owned. A lot of people put ETH into us. And so that gave us the financial instrumentation in order for us to make this happen in the first place, right? For us to sponsor players and teams. When it comes to players, we tell them, listen, what we do is very unorthodox. We put our proposals public so anybody can read this anybody can see this so if you want to take what we offer you and show it to your friends so that they can get an idea as to like whether or not they have if they want to like you know uh uh what's the uh, um, heat check it to see if it actually makes sense and you know they look at that you go right ahead there's nothing about this process that we're trying to obfuscate or hide that we are a part of this right and i think like I think we had to we had to double down on saying we are funded by crypto, but crypto is not de the defining aspect of why we of of like who we are, right? It only gave us the opportunity to even participate in this space in the first place. And mainly, our goal is to try to be better than every other org out there, better competitively, better in business, better in community. And all these things are incredibly challenging, but at the end of the day, um, if we make it better so that you have an opportunity to compete in a game that you've been asking and you've been busting your ass like day in and day out to try to show up on the main stage and you need a little bit of wind to make that happen, that's why we exist, right? And so for the players are like, ah, crypto, do I really have to do this? I'm like, Yes. Yes, you do. You got to at least get the wallet. You got to at least get paid in USDC because we have to prove that this works. I, we can't we can't say that we were funded by crypto, but completely not use crypto at all in our process. Like even in payment, I want to like try to start building things where it like it becomes easier for anybody, even globally, to compete and have access to funds to make things possible. And it's harder to do that sometimes in like native local currency context. So it's like we've you it's like as a player, I'm like, I'm begging you to do two things. Play incredibly well and accept crypto payment. That's it. <laughs> like everything else we'll figure out. But like just those two things, I need you to do those two things and it's gonna work out. And so far, like one world tournament win, uh third place title. I think we've now, as a DAO, collectively earned over $350,000 in prize money um, since our first tournament in uh, November of 2021. 
Which is sick, by the way. Like, when we talk about what it looks like to earn revenue as a DAO, I'd imagine the black hand is in the top percentile of A, revenue earned, period, but B, revenue earned outside of the cryptosphere, which is really interesting, actually. Like, to me, that is a, a stat that we should be looking at a lot more of, like, how often can we leverage DAOs in existing contexts that are not explicitly crypto native? And how can we use this? organizational structure to actually give us a competitive advantage to your point. And I'm curious, like, so let's say that you, you ran Blackhand totally without crypto. Somehow you got a million dollars in funding. We'll, we'll sort of set that part aside. Um, are there things that you think as a crypto native org that's, that's using this nounish DAO type structure for at least part of, of how you run the org? Um, are there things about that that you think actually provide a competitive edge, like on a consistent basis? And it's okay if the answer is no also. I mean, maybe it's a pain in the ass, and that's also fine, but I'm curious. It's a – oof. And a space right now that is like hard to monetize, I'd say over and under, it's a competitive advantage. I think like the funny thing is – so, for example, I'll look at like we'll look at like Nouns Esports. Nouns Esports, offshoot of Nouns DAO. Nouns DAO has massive treasury. That massive treasury would not have happened if, the, if Nouns is a typical brand. It just wouldn't have. Um, they would have had to have had massive startup cost for them to have entered in a space using like toys or something tangible, um, or media or something tangible in order for them to then get the buy-in necessary. So it would have been reversed. It would have tried to have probably spent 10 or 20 mil to have tried to have gotten the 50 or so million dollars that they got from ETH. Right. But like just buying a simple fucking JPEG in a, like NFT changed the trajectory of that brand entirely. Right. So as a result, now Esports has been able to gain two, I think two grants of about, uh, close to a mil, if not a mil each. Um, I think 750,000 or so, something like that in USDC value um, twice. And that has basically given them sort of like this massive like leg as, as so long as nouns continues to exist and persist and people buy into it, whether they have forks or not, then there's always an active well in which nouns esports can tap into because they're already doing their part and bringing more people into the parent. Right. Um, and I think like that type of like handshake is creating a really unique opportunity in, in which like nouns can continue to exist or nouns esports can exist because it kind of feels like Red Bull, right? Like nouns is like the, the, the company behind the energy drink and then nouns esports is like the RBMA equivalent of like, you know, uh, Red Bull, Red Bull's entities, right? Like it just, finding a way to, to find themselves within culture. And for us, we're trying to sort of instill sort of the same type of idea, idea or identity, but obviously our brand's just not as large as nouns as yet. Um, but I think like over time, as we, as that starts to, to, to add it uh, to crescendo, we'll, we'll get kind of like this massive swell of, of, of active fans. who are just really like, I fuck with this. I fuck with this where we are able to create a, a sustainable baseline that we can then use for experimentation and things of that nature, right? I would say because proposals exist, um, I did not scout this Pokemon. I did not scout the Unite team, nor did I scout the Apex team. Um, those teams were scouted by community members. Um, so there's a competitive advantage there where people who have joined us are scouts, joined us who have worked in esports for a long time, or super interested or like very knowledgeable about a particular game. And all we said was these are games we're interested in. And then they said, I found like 16 different teams. Like, let's go through them and see which one like makes the most sense. And that for me is like amazing. Cause now like that's one less thing. Like if, if we did this just straight web two, we'd have to like, we'd have to have you, we would have utilized the million to then find like, uh, a bunch of staff to then help us get here. And then it's also like figuring out how you're going to hire efficiently or effectively, what type of like strategies you're going to use or employ. And for this, it's like, 
any community member could say, I found a really unique idea, throw it into the queue, it gets voted on, it happens. And like that for me, it's like, it's sort of like a, yeah, it's, yeah. I think for me, I think that's, that's probably the biggest advantage we have. What is the, is there like an incentive for these people to do that? Or do they actually just care a lot? Um, It's a mixture of both, but I think like, most of them, when they put their proposals in, they do put in compensation for themselves, which makes sense, right? They should. So I think for the most part, like um, um, our community member, Elendo, who put out the APEC, the APEX team, um, he gets paid um, uh, a partial stipend from uh, the proposal. Um, and so for him, I know this is a big win for him because he's like, I scouted this team, um, brought them here for this organization, they make a massive showing um, for the second half of the Apex season, finishing third, beating out so many incredibly important teams, big teams in North America. And like for him, that's a big, that's a big win. That's I, I, if I was that guy, I'd be like you, yeah, yeah, nobody's touching me. I'm fucking nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so funny because I feel like people just go to such great lengths to design ridiculous governance mechanisms and do all of these things that are like, we're going to incentivize all of these different ecosystem players in X, Y, and Z ways. And sometimes that makes sense. But the other part of me is listening to you say this and is kind of like, there is so much to be said for building something that people give a shit about and can be compensated for. And kind of, I don't think that you left that so open and unstructured that it just like happened. Like, I, I don't want to... Um, sort of underestimate or, or yeah, not quite capture the the extent to which you have thought about these things. But it is interesting hearing you say, because I'm like, th- yeah, that totally just makes sense. Like the fact that people would want to come in and plug in and do that. And also it just kind of makes sense for them to be compensated along the way. Um, it makes me think that a lot of times we over-engineer a lot of governance and just create so many con- constraints and expectations when maybe the better system is just allowing people to show up and contribute in a way that is sustainable for them and for, you know, the entire org. Yeah. 100%. I I mean, for me, I'm, I'm trying to get more simplicity with the process. Um, Because I think like, a we're charting a whole new way in which we even engage with this industry um and second i'm always a fan of subverting expectation i'm really not too i'm not too keen on trying to do it the same way everyone else has done it there are certain things that definitely make sense that i'm that we have slowly but surely been employing and adding into our process but for the most part it's like the the core tenants are we have to build a brand that is ubiquitous and then by doing so and the only way to do that is by empowering our community to push ideas and make things possible in the pursuit of our name um, to, to find really incredible teams with promise, put our weight behind them, put our trust in them so that they perform. And then we create opportunities for monetization and, you know, kind of like activations through that. And the last thing is to have fucking fun with this shit. Like this is so, it's such a stressful industry, but at the same time, like we are grateful that we are able to fund kids from all over the world to play video games for sport professionally. That is fucking nuts. Like we are not doctors. We're not investing (laughs) in like the world's cure for things. We are investing in entertainment. Like if we take this super, super, super serious to the point to where like it takes the fun out of it, then why are we here? Right. So yeah, for me, I don't want to complicate shit because this is just too much of a fun space to be in. Like it's got to grow up in certain aspects so that we can be like, obviously financially sustainable, but for the most part, we got to have fun with this at the end of the day. Yeah. I love that approach. I mean, I feel like in crypto more broadly, we should probably be taking more of that approach. Like just, and not even from the perspective of like, let's not work hard at it because I've seen you work hard over the last two years, but even more so from the perspective of just like, yeah, so much of this stuff we take too seriously and are almost too rigid in an approach for something that's like so wacky basically. Um, so yeah, I, I really love that. And, and I guess one final question for you as we wrap this up is just, do you anticipate a lot of other 
uh, esports teams popping up that are using that use a similar model? Like, do you are you seeing that in the space? Are teams asking you what the fuck's going on with Blackhand? What do you think the appetite there is for more collectively owned teams? Um, I so for example, a new group Paladins DAO has popped up. Another group called Sunflyers has popped up. I would say like NFT communities have been asking and begging for esports. Like I know ApeCoins, like why haven't we done esports yet? I'm pretty sure like Azuki's been asking the same questions. Like uh, the appetite for it is there. Um, I think like the, for us, we're looking to just really continue our reps to build, to become this great example of, how this actually can work. Um, and I think the benefit that a lot of these other organizations do have, um, not necessarily Sunflyers or Paladins, but like the incumbent NFT-based communities is that they already have massive treasury. They have a lot of money to work with to actually make this happen, whereas we don't, right? Like a right. million dollars, yeah, we, that was sick. But like when you think about the cost to do business in this space, that shit went like va- it was gone. Um and so like it's uh I think it's very there's a there's a really unique opportunity now where there's a lot of really good money in in crypto right now that just needs to be intelligently allocated and I think we'll start to really see a massive surge of like these community owned um entities, whether they call themselves DAOs or on chain communities or whatever the fuck the new phrase is gonna be. Mm-hmm. Um you know at the end of the day, I think if since the appetite for esports is here, there's going to be more groups attempting to do this. And the goal is that hopefully we have enough tools and resources that we've built that we can help folks along the way so that they don't um, so that they can get to where we are faster. Because the, 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 the more of us that, that are out there, then the more competition that, that we have, which is good because I want to we want to continually push ourselves. But I also think, too, um, it creates a much better story about the viability of the space when there's new entrants coming in um, right now. Like there's just, it, there's, it's just an old guard that has too much VC money. They've overinflated everything and they've honestly fucked the business up, right? Like you look at Sentinels, they had a, um, a post where they were doing a community crowdfund. They wanted to raise like $3 million or something like that from a community. And they said it'll only give them like three months of extra burn before they run out of money. Like that's fucking ridiculous. Like that's 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 just like that's awful. Evil geniuses um, had um, allowed like basically took their CS:GO team and said, uh, "Look, um, if you resign with us, we're gonna have to do a pay cut. Um, otherwise, you can go explore your other options." And you know, for me, I'm always like, if you're a player and you want to pursue, you know, where the money is, like I'm not gonna stop you. But I think ultimately at the end of the day, like everyone has to take a hard look at the space and say it's being corrected very, very sharply and org- orgs will die. Um, uh, a lot of people are cutting costs. It's like on average 20, 15 to 25% workforce for most of these larger organizations is being cut. Um, teams are being sold left and right to other organizations that are dumb enough, I think to spend (laughs) multiple millions of dollars for teams when you don't even make money off of them. Um, You know, so I think that there's like a, there's a, there's a, there's a crazy space there. And so the more of us in this space come together to be smarter about how we allocate funds and how we do value distribution and how we give, you know, meaningful like salary in a, in a way to live for players, but do so in a way that doesn't harm the business or the entity that powers it, the better the space is going to be. And I think we're going to be in a much better position when a lot of these organizations over on the other side, like are limping, right? Like, you know, so, and, and I'm not a person that wants to cannibalize or take over somebody else's entity. I really am like hoping that they do bounce back and are smarter about this, but I think they're going to have to really start looking at what we're doing and implement that work with us partner with us and make certain things make certain changes so they they're they're in a better um position to uh uh to be sustainable yeah and of course i think on the flip side like like there's something interesting that potentially existing players can learn from from the crypto and dow side and i also think it's going to be exciting for more communities in the crypto and dow side of things to get involved in 
things outside of the cryptosphere. 100%. I feel like we're finally at a point where we're like, okay, let's fucking go. We need to like get some level of, you know, feelers out there for whether this technology is going to work outside of our little bubble. And this is also like, as we close out, one of the things that I think is most exciting about Black Hand is just that you're doing meaningful work outside of the space using the tools that we now have to make that happen. And so um, I'm very excited to see what's next for the future of Black Hand. For people who want to follow the journey, where can they learn more about you and all the things that you're doing with Black Hand? Um, so you can follow Black Hand um, by at Black Hand on X slash Twitter. I really hate <laughs> that it's called X. Um, you can also, we have a Discord. So discord.gg slash Black Hand. Um, you can go to blackhand.com. Um, right now we have a full takeover page describing our Apex team, why we entered into the championship, um, how the Apex team got started, and then all the ways in which you can support us. Um, we also have fire ass merch. Everyone continues to say we're we one of the best looking brands in esports, and I just want to like acknowledge all those people that have said that. I really thank you and appreciate it. Our team spends painstakingly like a lot of time in trying to like do the right thing. Shout out to uh, Bria, shout out to, to ATM. Um, you guys make this shit possible. Um, and then uh, what else? You can also we have an Instagram, Black Hand Esports, and then. You can follow me at Sursuhaib, S-I-R-S-U-H-A-Y-B, on pretty much Twitter. I don't have any other socials. Um, yeah. Love it. Big plus one on the merch. You have, you certainly have the best merch in crypto. Um, yes. And then, yeah, I, I can't speak for esports, but I, I, I was taking a look at it and I was like, okay, I am going to need some black hand merch, 1,000%. I will be sporting that. Do I know what the Apex Championships are, which I think might be on the merch? No, not really. I mean, I lightly do, but I will be sporting it regardless. (laughs) I love it. I really appreciate it. Um, We got something coming out soon, actually, uh, because we have massive Indonesian support. Um, so we're working on getting activating a lot of local merch there. But we, we've had this phrase called Handonesia, which has just been fucking nuts. Um, and we have a we have a exclusive t-shirt we're dropping for this month only. So I'll send it to you as well. Love. Well, Sursu, thank you so much for coming on the pod. It's always so wonderful to jam with you. And I can't wait to see what's next for Black Hand. Thank you so much. I'm super excited. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Two years in running. Um, we plan to be here for as long as we can. Hopefully that is however much time life allows us. But I'm honestly just grateful uh, to be here and to try to do something cool every day. So thank you so much. Your pod is incredibly amazing. It has continued to become uh, a staple, I think, in the space. So please never stop. It is the best thing ever. (laughs) Thank you. I so appreciate you. (laughs) 